Romans 15, verses 4 through 6. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. All I want, all I wish, all I think should happen to me may not be the will of the Lord. But it's my life, it's my song, it's my story that I'm writing, and I think it should be my own. At least that's how I feel till I see Jesus. At least that's how I feel till I see Jesus on the cross. At least that's how I feel till I see all he's given me. And then I pack up all my dreams and count them The kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, I want you to just actually pause with me and think about the things that come to your mind whenever you hear somebody speak about the kingdom of heaven has come near. Perhaps you've even heard somebody say that phrase before. I want you to think about it. What comes to your mind when you think of the kingdom of heaven has come near? Now, a lot of different people think a lot of different things about the kingdom of heaven coming near. And you know, depending on what you might be going through right now, you might hear that a little different. But I think all of us at least need to hear and think, well, what do I need to do because the kingdom of heaven has come near? Is it near? Is the kingdom of heaven, you know, what does it look like? Um, what, what is it like to be a part of that kingdom of heaven? Has it already come? Are we still looking forward to it? Well, let me give you a little bit of insight into those things. This phrase, the kingdom of heaven has come near, appears in Matthew chapter 3. So some 2,000 years ago, 
somebody was making that statement. So if it was true then that the kingdom of heaven has come near, what do you think that means about today? Well, hopefully in our look at scripture together this morning, uh, we will be able to kind of learn a little bit more about that together. So let's take a look beginning at Matthew chapter 3. Now, the first person who really spoke of this and, and proclaimed this message was John the Baptist, a very well-known preacher and prophet who, well, his job right here was to prepare the way for the Lord, prepare the way for Jesus Christ to come. And his message was at first, we see it here in verse two of Matthew chapter three, but let's go ahead and back up from verse one and all the way down to verse six now. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who is spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out uh, to him uh, from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. So this is how John the Baptist starts off. And I know that you've probably already heard me uh, speak about this before, but you know, I would have, I would have loved to kind of be a fly on the wall and to actually hear John proclaim some of these messages that he proclaims. His preaching was definitely uh, very interesting and a little different than my own, most certainly. But here, I think there's so much we can learn about it because he starts off He's not beating around the bush. He gets straight to the point and he tells them, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Uh, that meant that they needed to get their act together. They needed to, to change the ways because the kingdom of heaven has come near and they weren't ready for it. It makes a world of difference whether or not we are ready for the kingdom of heaven to come near. And here we see in verse three that he is this one who was preparing the way for the Lord. So with John the Baptist, yes, you see that he is uh, proclaiming a message of repentance. He is preparing the way for the Lord. We also see a few other things that people are doing in connection with him. For starters, he's a little different. You know, he's wearing camel's hair. He's he's eating locusts and wild honey. Uh, none of those things probably would would be things that you would uh, uh, that you would just kind of volunteer to do. Um, this was for the most part kind of the clothing and the food of pretty much a poor person. And really, at that even it was very similar to that of the prophets of the Old Testament, especially Elijah. Uh, we might get to that another time. But here you see the description of what he looked like. And you might think about the only normal thing that uh, he did was he had a leather belt around his waist. That's pretty much about the only normal thing about John the Baptist, except he had this extreme devotion to God, being faithful to God. I hope that doesn't seem foreign to us. I hope we are right at home with somebody who has that type of devotion like John the Baptist right here. So he has so much devotion that people are coming from all over the place. They are trying to, to get a glimpse, to be able to hear, what is this man proclaiming? What is he preaching? And people are coming from all over to hear this guy. Have you ever had those moments that, uh, you know, maybe you've been perhaps out in public and you've even seen about somebody who is just like preaching on a street corner or something. And, you know, you just, for whatever reason, you were just curious, you were interested. And maybe you hung around and just heard a little bit about what they were saying. Or perhaps you found a video on, you know, some social media site or just, you know, maybe a, a video site of a, of a preacher. And then you just kind of became intrigued for whatever reason. And you just kind of hung around there and, and listened to it a little bit. Or, you know, 
maybe it was some other uh, instance that we just we get interested in things. Maybe it was um, someone who is on the television that you were just flipping through the channels and came across a preacher. And for one reason or another, something got you interested and you just kind of hung around there to listen to what is this message that this preacher is proclaiming? Well, people were very curious about this message of John the Baptist, and he tells them right out, right from the beginning, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And people come to him and they start responding in very good ways. They're coming in in verse six, they're confessing their sins. They're being baptized. So here with John the Baptist, we see people are, are they need to repent. John is preparing the way. We see people are already starting to do these things because they're confessing their sins. I would just only assume that that has to do with repenting of those sins as well. And they're being baptized. They are taking on a very humble state. You know, for um, for for people to be baptized, it's it's full devotion, full submission, uh, full submersion as well into this new way of life that uh, that John is proclaiming. And this new way has everything to do with the kingdom of heaven and the need to repent right here and right now because the kingdom of heaven is in our midst. What are we doing about that? I hope that this is a message that we can listen and it still speaks to us today. Well, there's a little bit more about John the Baptist, so let's take a look. Verses 7 through 12. But when he saw many of the, the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God could raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So now we see a little bit more about what's going on right here. We see that there are some other people who are interested in what John the Baptist is proclaiming, these groups of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, we're not going to get into what either one of these groups really believe, but just recognize they both are groups. They represent groups of Judaism. And they represent kind of a, a bit different beliefs. You know, we might even have that uh, today as well. Some some different uh, different beliefs. Some people over here they kind of believe one thing. People over here they believe something different. And then you know sometimes they uh, uh, they get interested in the same things at the same times. And that's what's going on with these Pharisees and Sadducees. I'm not sure exactly why they were so interested in John's message, but it seems that he was at least skeptical of their motivation. Because he looks at him and he calls him brood of vipers. I mean, that, that that's pretty bad. Uh, you know, it that that's very bad language. A very harsh, very extreme language. And he asks him the question, who warned you guys to flee from the coming wrath? He's wondering, well, what's going on? Why are you here? But then he tells them still what they need to do. Verse 8, that they need to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. That's what we all need to do don't we? And in verse 9, he says something that I think is so important that we recognize today. He says, do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. How many people in, in our churches today are kind of trying to ride on the coattails of their parents or their grandparents or just somebody who has come before them? At some point, 
in each one of our journeys. We can't just get by on having the faith of our parents. We can't just get by on having a, the faith of that generation that came before us. We've got to have our own faith. We can't just say, oh, well, we have Abraham as our father. You know, we even have a, a little song that we sing, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you, so let's all praise the Lord. You know, and we, we sing about how Abraham is, you know, our father through through faith and through Jesus Christ, of course. We can't just rely upon the faith of Abraham. The faith of Abraham is not going to save you. It's not going to save me. Your faith is what you are standing before God with, not the faith of somebody else. It's your faith. And John even tells this group, it's not about where you have come from, that you are the correct descendant from Abraham. Because God can raise up children for Abraham out of stones, just out of rocks. And he warns them that the axe is already right there at the root of the trees. And if they weren't going to be willing to produce good fruit, they were going to be cut down and destroyed. And he speaks once again about baptizing. But he also says that there's, there's something different that's going to be changing about baptism. He speaks that he baptizes with water for repentance. These are the same things we've already seen in the, the previous slide and in the previous verses right here. But then he speaks of another one coming. He speaks of, of Jesus coming. That Jesus, he is going to baptize, but not so much with water. Even though, yes, okay, today, yes, physically speaking, we do still baptize people in water. But Jesus' baptism and the importance of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ is being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, there's actually two different things that uh, I believe are two different baptisms that's described here in verse 11, because John is, is making this distinction. He always has been. He's saying that the, the axe is already the root of the trees. If you don't bear good fruit, you're going to be cut down and thrown into the fire. Okay, so he says that. Then he says, the one who's going to come is going to baptize at the end of verse 11. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Verse 12 picks this up again, and he says, his winnowing fork is in his hand. Now, I don't know so much. I've never used a winnowing fork, okay? I'm just going to be completely honest with you right here. But it's my understanding that what you do with the winnowing fork, and in this case right here, in clearing out this threshing floor, is that you would, th this is a sifting process, to sift uh, what the, the wheat would be, the good part of the crop, and put that into your barn. And then the stuff that is just whatever. I mean, it, it's worthless. You can't do anything with it. You, you burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. You know, you, you just, you destroy it. It's, it's worth, you know, nothing. It's worth very little. And right here, you see this division. There's a baptism with the Holy Spirit. There's a baptism with fire. His winning fork is in his hand. Judgment is coming. Whenever he comes, he's going to clear out his threshing floor. He's going to separate the wheat from the weeds, if you will. Jesus even spoke of a parable like that, but that's for several chapters later. He'll gather the wheat and he'll gather the chaff. There's no purpose in the chaff. Now, this is not saying, and I don't want you to, to take this away from the message. This is not saying that people are worthless. But what it is saying is that we have been given this wonderful, the, the way that I would uh, uh, word it at least here in, in a passage like this, is that we've been given this wonderful gift of life and the wonderful gift of, of grace. And if we choose to accept it, then that is connected with bearing this fruit, this producing fruit and keeping with repentance, as verse 8 says, part of the message of John. 
But if we just constantly reject what God has done for us, then we become like that chaff and we make ourselves, well, we've, we've ruined the point of our lives. Our lives is to give God glory in all that we do. Jesus will make things right and he will judge sometime in the future. Right here, the message of John still needs to speak to us. We need to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. We need to not just rely upon our ancestors, but recognize we have to have faith. We have to be baptized. We have to repent. We have to take responsibility for uh, you know, our actions. And we need to start doing the things that we are called to do by God. Now, John is not the first one to say this. In fact, uh, we see at the very beginning of, of Matthew 3 that John is fulfilling what the Old Testament prophet Isaiah said, that there is someone who's going to come and prepare the way for the Lord. Let's take a look at a passage from Isaiah together. In Isaiah chapter 11, we're going to look at verses 1 through 5 together. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor on the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. So in this passage, this shoot, this branch, this one who is rest, the, the Spirit of the Lord is, is resting on him, this is none other than Jesus Christ himself. He is the fulfillment of this. He is the one who has come from the stump of Jesse. The reason why Jesse is, is described as the stump is because the, the family line of Jesse, you, uh, you might know his son. His son was King David. Now, David was kind of the, the least among his family. and He wasn't really even supposed to be um, the, the king. But guess what? God says, this is the one that is going to be king. This is the one who is pleasing in my sight. And he looked at his heart. So it was from that line of King David that there was promised another king is going to be coming. An important king, the one that we call the Messiah, who was going to fix problems, who was going to come with the Spirit of the Lord and bring all of these great things right here. And you see that he's he's going to be different than those who have come before him. He's not going to judge like other people. He's not going to judge just based on, you know, these, these small differences or whatever. He's going to judge something different. Verse 4, with righteousness, with justice. We see in verse 5, righteousness is once again mentioned and faithfulness. So all these things are connected with Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ came, it wasn't just about the people of, of Jesse. It wasn't just about the people of Abraham. It was about the other nations as well. And this passage even goes on and we see it's not even just about all of the, the humans, but it's actually about all of creation. There's something that was different about Jesus Christ that he was going to, that this Messiah that was, that was promised in Isaiah 11, he's going to bring something different that is going to change the whole world. Like, let's keep reading. Verses 6 through 10. You're probably familiar with some of these images, and they are connected with Jesus Christ. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, the young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. A young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. I do not recommend that, by the way, but this is the passage that is saying 
things are not always going to work the way that they do right here and right now. Verse 9, they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. Everything is going to be different when this root of Jesse comes. No one or seemingly nothing, in verse 9, will harm or destroy on all my holy mountain. We see these, you know, a wolf doesn't lie down with a lamb. A leopard doesn't lie down with a goat. We see that a calf and a lion, they don't get along. Um, we see a cow and a bear, they don't get along either. Uh, and, you know, all of these things, uh, infants don't play near cobras. That, that doesn't work. We see all those things, and we know that's not the way the world works. But this passage is telling us that the root of Jesse is going to make things new. and Things will be different. There's not going to be the, the need to fear harm or the need to fear destruction because they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. And you might say, you might look at, at the, you know, our life that we live right now and you see, that's not quite what we see. You are right in that. But we see glimpses that are pushing us toward that. And we see that, you know, among the church, at least, we should be followers of Jesus. And we shouldn't be afraid of, we should not have a fear of harm. We should not have a fear of, of being destroyed. Because we are called to be the people of God. And we look to this one who is called the root of Jesse. Now, we see in verse 10 that this passage is telling us it's not just about those who are going to come uh, from the line of Abraham because it says the nations will rally to him. Jesus Christ is the root of Jesse, not just for Israel, but for all of the nations. And then we look at one final passage that speaks about the Gentiles, everybody else being brought in. Most of you probably watching this video, you are Gentiles and you're brought into this family of God through the blood of Jesus Christ, through repentance and faith in him. Let's look at Romans 15 together. Romans 15, verses 7 through 13. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed. And moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles, I will sing the praises of your name. Again, it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations, and him the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a wonderful passage that, that Paul is, is kind of leaving the, the church at Rome with. And he's telling us that we need to accept one another uh, just as Jesus Christ has accepted us. And we see that Christ, in verse 8, he became a servant of the Jews so that he could fulfill these promises, so that they would be fulfilled and confirmed and that the Gentiles can be brought in. And so the Gentiles might be able to glorify God for all of his mercy, as verse 9 says. 
And let's face it, verse 10, verse 11, and verse 12, all of those also speak about the Gentiles praising God. It was never supposed to be only about the nation of Israel. It's about all of the nations as well. And all of the nations have come together through the person of Jesus Christ. And I want to leave you once again by reading verse 13, because I believe this is a wonderful thought to kind of end with today. And I want you to, to be reminded of how we started. We started with the message that the kingdom of God has come near. How does that change the way we live? Knowing that the kingdom of God has come near. That Jesus has started making things new. Has started making changes among his people, among his followers. And I want to leave you with these, these words of hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Father, Holy Father, Holy Father, Holy Father before your throne I kneel in salvation out. I've been purchased with a price I cannot repay. I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, keep me near the cross. I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb.